podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Anfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined by Lubo Murkov and Paul Jenkins. Paul, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. It's uh, been a quite a chilled and relaxed Sunday here. Um, got a couple of kids who have got different ailments and sicknesses, so this week has kind of been a week of dealing with that. But aside from that, no, we're doing good. We're doing good. Yeah. And. Hope, hope they're feeling better really soon. Um, Me you know, too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a lovely sunny day here in Seattle, so I'm feeling pretty good. Um, Lubo, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, uh, Liverpool have not disappointed me this weekend just yet. So, <laughs> so yeah. from that perspective, it's, it's, it's been grand. And actually, I've, I've watched very little um, uh, football this, this, this weekend, just been busy with a lot of other things. Um, and I just... So I missed all the VAR controversies, all the anger, um, all of that. Um, I'm just getting ready, actually, for the Super Bowl. I'm going over in, in a couple, a few hours to a friend's place and watch the Super Bowl there. So it's it's been a very, actually, a very nice and relaxing weekend for me. Yeah, the same here. I've been a little bit checked out from the the sports, and so uh, rested and ready to go for the podcast. So, um, so let's get started with our opening question. Um, would you have any misgivings about Liverpool being awarded the Premier League titles for the 13-14, 17-18, and 21-22 uh, seasons if Man City is punished for their cheating? Um, Paul, do you want to get us started on that one? Yeah, um, quite simply, no. <laughs> I couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, the way I look at it is if they were cheating and they've got found out for it and that gives them an unfair advantage in whatever way they've been able to purchase players, do sponsorship deals, the whole rest of it, then they deserve to be punished for it. And if that means that we get Premier League titles, I'm taking them. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. I- I- I'm with you. I'm like... Let, let's even have a parade, you know, like we can bring all the guys back, you know, put, yeah. put them on the bus, send them around the city. 100%. Uh, yeah, I mean, like if they, like, it really looks like they did all the cheating. They were very blatant about it. They, you know, there's lots of messages that show that they're intentionally breaking the rules and doing it on purpose. And, you know, therefore you should be punished. And one of those things is like taking the titles away. And there's lots of precedent for that happening in other sports. So Mm -hmm. it seems completely fine to me and just give Liverpool the titles. Um, So that, that's, that's sort of where I'm at on that one. Uh, Lubo, what, what do you think? I don't think that they will do it, but if they did it, if it happened, uh, I also won the 2016 EFL cup. Remember we lost that one in, in Klopp's first season 
uh, we mm-hmm. lost in penalties to Man City. I want that too. I want everything. And I, and you know, I think for 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 fans and and definitely for players is going to feel weird. I mean, can you imagine Steven Gerrard? Like, oh, you're now Premier League <laughs> winner, and uh, it, it will be all, Jose Enrique, whatever. All of those players in you know, uh, what's, what's his name? Sissoko, right? Ali Sissoko. All of these random players are like, oh, now I'm a Premier League winner. And you know what? If, if, that is, if that is something they decide to do, I think that I will take it. In, in many ways, I don't think that it will... F- I mean, absolutely, I know it's, it won't feel the same. It won't feel the same for, for the players. You won't feel the same for the fans. But I agree with you. Just um, if, if, if this if it did happen, and let's say uh, next year or the year after that, Liverpool do win the Premier League. I say you just slap a few extra uh, trophies on the bus, and you know, thirteen, fourteen, you know, uh, eighteen, nineteen, <laughs> twenty-one, twenty-two, whatever it is. Just remi- remind the world that you have all of those extra three trophies, which will get you to twenty-two. And I was actually, uh, it, what is funnier is what happens with uh, with uh, Man United because obviously okay. they would get three more trophies, so they will still be ahead of Liverpool. And and I've even been seeing online people saying, "Well, you know what? Um, you you only give it give it you only give them point deductions for those seasons. You don't really strip the the, the of the titles. You only give them like three point three point deductions every season, so they would move into second place. So that way, Liverpool would get three trophies, but Man, Man United would only get one, <laughs> <laughs> which would be actually." Quite hilarious. Obviously, it, it, it's not going to happen. You either take their titles away and and you give it to the second place team, or you don't. Right? It's you can just come up with those uh, uh, variations to make sure Liverpool got more trophies than Man United. But um, I don't know. I, I I'm more interested, honestly, in in um, proactive punishments and what you do going forward uh, with Man yeah. City than what you do going back. If to to me, it's it's if if they strip away their titles and. Say, well, you haven't won any Premier League um, titles. I think that's bonus. But I'm a lot more interested in what you do going forward to to punish them, but also to make to to prevent a lot of this abject cheating from happening again. Yeah, I think that 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 perspective thing um, is very important to figure out. You know what what it looks like the new new rules regime and how you prevent this sort of thing from happening. Because, like, you know, it, it's clear that they have broken the rules. You know, there's a separate question as to, like, whether or not the rules are fair. Because, you know, a lot of ways it sort of locks in the top teams to be good forever because they're the ones that already have the revenue to be able to spend. So, you know, that question aside, it's like you have somebody who's blatantly broken the rules as they are. And so what what is the punishment for that, if anything? Um but yeah, we'll we'll see how that how that goes and what if anything happens. Um, yeah, and one thing on this is is the timing of, of the decision. And to me, that's another very interesting aspect because um, on the one hand, you could say um, if if a punishment is announced very soon, like a transfer ban uh, for the next two seasons, and if you announce it at the end of this season. And you, you tell Man City you cannot be um, signing any new players for the next two to three years, or even relegate them. Right? That that has a huge impact on not just what happens in the league, but what happens with uh, potential players that that uh, Man City could be interested in, that Liverpool could be interested in. I mean, the example of um, 
you know, a, a certain Jude Bellingham, right? There's a lot of people who think that Man City will go after him. Uh, and if you announce a transfer ban before uh, the, the transfer window, obviously that would only benefit Liverpool. Uh, but even if it's not announced, even if it's hanging through the summer and into next season and there's a, a potential for them to be punished with potentially relegation or point deduction, would that influence um, uh, Bellingham's uh, thinking? Uh, and Or not just him, but other players, would they be reluctant to go to Man City uh, which could then impact their their um, planning for next season, or even how they perform next season before there is even a, a punishment announced. So lots of lots of subplots to this one. Let's see how they play out. Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, that that will be an interesting non-Liverpool uh, plotline to follow over the next couple of months. Um, but we should uh, start looking at Liverpool and what's happened since we uh, last spoke. Do we, do we really and, want to? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's it, it, this could end up being just a, a group therapy session in podcast form, <laughs> but we're... We'll do our best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who do we listen to to get our positivity from? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, uh, as we've mentioned, Liverpool have continued to struggle on the field over the last month. Um, in the Premier League, we have seen losses to Brighton and Wolves, as well as a draw to Chelsea. Uh, in the FA Cup, Liverpool advanced uh, in the playoff against Wolves, but then exited with a loss against Brighton. Uh, additionally, Liverpool made no significant moves in or out at the end of the transfer market uh, after the signing of Cody Gakpo. Uh, But I think we should first start with a quick chat about the ownership situation. So to to sort of like recap what's happened in the last couple of months, in early November, David Ordenstein reported that um, Liverpool was put up for sale by FSG. Uh, then FSG quickly responded with a statement through like various uh, LFC channels, uh, and that statement that they made did not deny the report, but did say they're always on the lookout for investors in the club or in you know FSG generally. Um, a couple of days later, Jurgen Klopp was asked in a press conference about what had been reported and the statement from the club. Uh, he said that he had heard that FSG were looking for uh, investors in the club, not that the club was for sale. Um, Now, uh, in the weeks after that, uh, there were reports that Manchester United was put up for sale by the Glazers. And so that sort of fueled speculation about various takeover plots uh, for both of the clubs throughout December. And in December... um, just like a litany of the who's who of billionaires in the world were linked to Liverpool as potential buyers. 
Um, but here we are, early February, three months later, and there's been little to no additional information released to the public about the potential sale of the club or new investors. So, um, first off, I want to ask you guys, like, what do you guys think about FSG, and what do you think uh, might be motivating their potential sale? And Lubo, do you want to get us started? What I think about the FSG, I mean, I, there's a joke uh, going around, obviously, <laughs> on, on various uh, fan sites um, and Phil Index Discord, uh, uh, in particular, that I work for uh, FSG. I would like to put it on the record that I do not. Uh, I'm not employed by FSG in, in any capacity. And, you know, I, I, I probably, relative to the average Liverpool fan, I'm more positive uh, toward FSG than, than most fans, mostly because of the changes that uh, that in process, changes in processes changes to the infrastructure uh, what they have built over the last 10 years at at Liverpool I view it as a largely positive you know it could have been a lot worse it could have been Everton right <laughs> it wasn't preordained that new owners would come in and they would uh, look to to build a team that is uh, sustainable, self-sustainable, uh, a team that has growing revenues, a team that is competing in the top four consistently and, and is able to win Champions League and Premier League titles. So o- overall, I tend to be more positive uh, that, than negative. Um, I do think that, that this announcement of, of the sale, it, it felt a little rushed. And so I, I was not quite sure. I've never been quite sure, even after Ornstein reported it, whether this was something that was just fed as a trial balloon to just see, okay, uh, to capitalize on the sale of Chelsea, uh, which obviously was very quick, and but there were a lot of groups that were interested. A lot of groups were formed with a lot of money to try to buy Chelsea. Ultimately, you know, Todd Bowley and his band of Merrymen won. And so I was wondering at the time whether the announcement or this leak uh, was there to, to, to basically... Um, give an opportunity to the, to the groups that missed out on Chelsea to come in and and uh, front up money for for Liverpool and and so and the, the the price tag that was raised rumored rather was like what four billion which is a ridiculous amount so it, uh, for, to me it always felt a little bit like okay we'll we'll spread these rumors out see if anyone's <laughs> crazy busy, crazy um, you know rich and offers us four billion and then we'll consider selling. And not surprisingly, that doesn't seem to have happened. But despite in rumors from Qatar and uh, of interest from Qatar and others, I also did not expect a quick resolution, right? The Chelsea sale happened very fast because it had to happen very fast. It was something that was ordered by, by the government. It had to happen in a very quick manner. There, was, there isn't such a pressure for FSG. So they have the time to, to look at it. And, and to take their time. And this could go into next season and possibly the season uh, uh, beyond that if they're interested. I, I think that I'm more, I'm not so worried about the, the rumors about a sale because the club continues to operate. I am more worried about whether these rumors will create some sort of a paralysis at the club in the decision-making. And there's definitely hints that some of it may be happening where there's this this uh, announcement of a potential sale um, either um, leads to a lot of turnover at the club. And again, we're seeing this, but also whether it creates uh, question marks in the in the minds of, of players 
that may be interested in, in joining Liverpool, but now are having second thoughts because of this. And from that perspective, I would rather have some sort of a resolution sooner than later, as in either they say, yes, we're only interested in minority investors and we will sell X, Y, and Z, and this is who buys 10%, 15%, or they sell completely because I do think that, that there's a potential for, for the longer this drags out, uh, the, the, to start seeing a, a, a kind of a longer term malaise with the, the, the club. And that, that, is, that to me is the worry. Yeah, I think that's a concern. Um, you know, like when they when FSG brought in Redbird Capital, so the first time that that was reported was in like early October of I think it was 2020, and then the official announcement of them becoming a partner in FSG didn't actually take place until late March or early April the next um, the next spring. So that's a what about a six month period before things got done and that you know bef- you know that they had to have been working on the deal prior to that initial reporting in that October time frame so this sort of thing is going to take 9 9 to 12 months so if we assume that FSG has been working on this prior to the November announcement for several months it might be 3 to 6 more months before they bring somebody on if they're going to bring somebody on at all and you know there's any number of reasons why they might want to be bringing in a new investor. Uh, when they did the big announcement to bring in Redbird and LeBron James, uh, one of the things that they stated as their goal is to become like the largest uh, conglomerate of sports ownership in the world. And so with that, they had plans to add NHL, um, NBA, and NFL teams to their like portfolio. So since then, they've added the Pittsburgh Penguins to their you know, list of teams that they own. And so that leaves the NBA and the NFL. And so the NBA and the NFL have you know, restrictions on who can own their teams that may not align with the current ownership group very well. Um, so the NFL only allows you to take $1 billion out in loans in terms of buying a team, and the teams cost $4 billion. So that means you have to have $3 billion in cash. Um, I don't know if like the FSG owners have that much cash sitting around. Uh, And then the other restriction in the NFL is they don't allow you to have private equity like Redbird being part of your ownership group. So that's a limitation to where if you're John Henry and you want to own an NFL team, selling part of Liverpool to raise cash to buy that NFL team might look like a good, good idea. Um, So that, that might be one of the things that's motivating their actions. So Paul, your thoughts on uh, FSG and, um, the the potential sale. Yeah, like I think you guys have covered it pretty well. I think my thought always has been, I know it kind of goes against the grain, is that, and I know it goes against what Ornstein said. Um, I, I've never really thought that that overall we were up for sale. Um, and I've never thought that overall we weren't ever not up for sale, if that makes sense. I always feel that if the right offer came in, it would be um, addressed and looked at and given its 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 opportunity and you know its merit assessed. And I thought then then the club would be for sale. That would be no problem. But I never thought. I still don't think that anyone is actively trying to sell Liverpool, and that maybe isn't the narrative, or that maybe isn't the thought process of a lot of people. I, I think that that overall. Um, if investors came, 
that's the ideal scenario. It it just feels that FSG as the ownership group are still happy to own Liverpool. They would just like to find other ways of of having investment and money Um, because we all know that that the way the club is run is a self-sustaining model. And without external investment, I don't see how that uh, model will ever change. Um, and I guess sometimes what can be that the issue is that when they assess what transfers need made, what contracts re- need renewed, who needs what, they kind of look at it and go <laughs> within a self-sustaining model, especially when you're up against City, Newcastle, United, um, Arsenal to a lesser extent, Chelsea. Their model isn't self-sustaining, <laughs> and we've seen with uh, with City, their shall we call it creative accounting, in the ways that they've been trying to get round um, essentially financial fair play within the Premier League. So I think my own personal opinion has always been that while a major source like the Athletic and David Ornstein said that we were up for sale, I still feel that always has been the case that the number one. Uh, idea that FSG wanted was investment um, from a personal point of view I, I don't hate FSG as owners, I'm not I'm not mad keen for them either, I'm just like, I just think their stewardship's pretty good of the club they don't, they don't run us to the point where we were previously but they also don't take massive financial risk where we can go and buy you know Three hundred million pound players in any one summer. I just don't, you know, that's not their style. That's not their model. That's not the way they work. So I don't, I don't hate them as owners. I'm not mad. I'm not like, oh yeah, FSD are the best thing that's ever happened in the world. I just look at them and go, they're running this pretty well. And compared to other owners, we're doing okay. Yeah, it's like John Henry as a person is sort of like. um he gives off like technocrat vibes. And so he's not like this like lovable character that you can, mm-hmm. you know, like latch onto of like, ah, that's, that's the guy that is out there rooting for my club. And, yes. and so like in, in that way, it's like, they don't give you warm, fuzzy feelings, but they operate the club in a competent manner. And that's led yeah. to success. And so like they're, that, that part's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like they're, they're, they're not Ryan Reynolds and they're not Rob Michael Haney. They're not, <laughs> you know, they're not they're not doing that kind of supporting of the club but like we all we always have known that that's not who they are so i don't see why people have a problem with that no and as long as they continue to you know maintain competent operations it seems like there's there's, there's nothing wrong with having fsg around right if yeah. you know if things like fall off and like this 10th place stuff is permanent then yeah maybe it's it's time to start um, organizing to have um, FSG actually leave, but I I don't think that this where things are on the on the field right now is a permanent state of affairs. So no, um, and you know we got to allow them a little bit of time to sort of like right the ship. Yeah, and the other the, thing, to, oh, yeah, go ahead, Lubo. The the other thing to just uh, what we discussed earlier around the Man City. Um, situation and the fact that the Premier League now has finally um, completed the investigation and has referred to a commission for, for basically for punishment, uh, it, it could give uh, FSG a pause as well and say, let's just see what happens. Because if, if actually the Premier League uh, is, is able to put some sort of constraints 
on on not just Man City, but also to to uh, tell Newcastle and even other teams, maybe um, mm-hmm. uh, countries that may be looking to buy Man United, right? That that there's going to be uh, some rules, or rather, we're going to follow some rules so that there is a fairer play of 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 some sort. It could give um, FSG another pause to say, listen, we we could possibly compete in this new reality. Now that doesn't mean that they wouldn't still be looking for investors, but. Uh, if 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 they're deciding, do we just exit completely and get out of here? Because hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. The, the rules are just such that that uh, we cannot we we have to compete with you know Saudis and Abu Dhabi and 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 the Qatari and we we have no appetite to do that. But if 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 as a result of this investigation, there's the, it, it uh, limits a bit. Um, what those uh, nation states could do, and and gives um, Liverpool, uh, uh, you know, a chance to to compete more fairly. I, I could see a situation where they say, you know what, maybe we are we want to stay for the rebuild. We'll continue to own, bring some, uh, you know, uh, small uh, limited investors, but not actually sell completely. Yeah, that that's a good point. That if. Um, if there are actually going to be rules, Liverpool will be more competitive, right? Because they have like superior operations to most clubs in the Premier League. So then it makes it a lot easier um, to be in that top four race, to be in those title races on a mm-hmm. consistent basis if everybody has to play by some sort of rules that's more than just, I have, a, I have the biggest bank account. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we'll we'll have to monitor this one as well over the the next few months. But I think it's probably good to start going back to what's actually happening on the field. Um, so we we talked about this a bit in our in our last episode, but you know now we've had a, a couple more games. Uh, do you have any updated thoughts on where things are going wrong, uh, Paul? Do you want to start us off with this one? Yeah, like. Um, <laughs> where, uh, I can't honestly. I can't quite remember what I said in the last episode, but I, my feeling is very much so that we're still stuck with kind of working out how we defend from the front, um, and just kind of who plays where and how <clears throat> how that whole system of we've obviously got Mo um, right sided forward, but who's playing left sided forward? How, you know, are you putting Gakpo there? Are you putting Darwin there? Gakpo to an extent seems to defend better from the front but at the same time Darwin's just agent chaos so you can see why maybe they've looked and went right well, we'll put in the last game they put him back 
through the middle and it was kind of like it was a disaster <laughs> it wasn't a disaster but like we shot ourselves in the foot then with our defending at the back and then we just couldn't get anything clicking to kind of get going going forward it like <clears throat> I can't remember where I read it maybe it was that um, Jonathan Northcott article that was basically saying that it's not our problem on, on pitch and off pitch isn't any one big massive thing it's it's like a hundred tiny small things that are all happening at the same time that's causing the appearance that, that we are worse than we are because of everything happening together at the one time and I kind of feel that 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 is essentially what our issue is. And you kind of look at it and go, you know, I'm really excited uh, to have uh, Diogo Jota back, someone who understands the system, who can play that front role. Um, and maybe then if you've got Jota and Salah playing up front, you're only picking from one of Darwin or Gakpo to play. Therefore, you know, you've two forwards who understand the system better and that would then further impact how the team defend further up the pitch because you haven't got two players effectively trying to learn what's happening. And we've seen that, you know, um, you play one out left and one through the middle and then you swap the two to the other side. It just hasn't, I don't know, it just has no continuity. There's no kind of momentum. But then you've also had the issue of behind that, there's no consistency with the midfield. And behind that, you had Verge getting injured. Um, you have... Uh, Matip kind of in and out. You have Ibu getting injured, and you're just kind of like, there's no at no point in in any of the three zones do we have any kind of set uh, set kind of scenario. That's why you can see that the midfield of Thiago, Bissetic, and, and Naby have played for three or four games just because you needed to have some form of continuity. But then, of course, now we've got the scenario where Thiago's injured, and you're like, ah. <laughs> You know, how do we how do we kinda how do we bridge this gap? How do we kinda steady the ship and make sure that we reach a point where we can kinda I don't know, one stop conceding goals, two start creating good chances, three start taking those good chances, four control the midfields so that we're not getting run through every game. Um so I kinda you know where are we going wrong? Mm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I think, right? Like last time we sort of talked about, like, well, we hope we see them finish their chances better, and then yes. hope they stop making individual mistakes, and then <laughs> hope they start like uh, defending set pieces better, and then they didn't take their chances. They stopped making mistakes for a couple of games, and then Joel Matip came back in, and he's been the one that's been making a lot of the mistakes, and he just did it again. And then the set piece defense has been poor. So yeah, real bad. <laughs> it's like we, we still need to do the same three things that we talked about last time. Uh, but, uh, you know, over the last month, there's been some improvements with like the, the midfield and how that's been going a little bit with the, the combination of Bersetic, Tiago and Naby. Um, and part of that is they're able to like break play up in the middle of the field, but then once yeah. they get the ball, they're not retaining possession at a high enough rate. So like their their pass completion percentage is like mm-hmm. in the low eighties or below. And so then you know you get the ball and then almost immediately give it back. And so then you're not having some sort of coherent build up play to get you mm-hmm. the shots that you need. Uh, and 
you know, this is where having Gakpo in the middle when he's not like a, a premier passer makes it a little difficult because you can sort of get away with that if all they have to do would be like pass it to Bobby because Bobby can then take the ball and, you know, maybe do a dribble or pass. And like, he's very good at those things. And it just seems like the guys that they have coming in to replace Bobby, either Darwin or Gakpo just are not quite as good at that skill set. And so then how do you create an offense when you have different guys and they, it just like Jurgen Klopp hasn't figured that out yet. Um, so Lubo, what, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, where things are going wrong or do you, do you have any changes with the, the games that have been happening? I mean, what, what, what Paul said about death by a thousand cuts, that's sort of how it feels, right? There's so many things that are happening wrong or just unfortunate and, and that creates and anything that, that happens in terms of injuries or new players coming in, it just creates instability. And it's it, it, and a sport like like football where eleven players need to be to be comfortable with each other, to to be familiar with each other, to know where players are on on the pitch. It's just so difficult when you're constantly chopping and changing. And and then uh, it's it's been a, I, I think that obviously this this season would have been a bit tricky because you had to sell Sadio and Divi left and Taki left and you, you had to bring you, you brought in a couple of uh, new attackers uh, but I feel that if if we had as Paul mentioned if we had Luis and Diogo uh, available with Mo to to play most of the minutes and to shoulder most of the burden it would have looked more competent. And then you can yeah. just plug in Darwin as needed. You can plug in even Gakpo as needed. And same with Bobby. I mean, Bobby, when uh, he played, uh, the, when he was available, he you know it, it just looked more coherent just because he knew how to press, mm-hmm. right? The system worked better. Mm-hmm. He was also gone. So I think that the injuries, especially in the attack, happened to the players that you were counting to, uh, to, to, to lead the transition. And so you went from... <laughs> Having you know a very well drilled uh, uh, attack that could press, that knew where everybody was, that could that played very well, to having to effectively in what we're doing now is 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 play three guys who've never played each never played with each other in in Darwin and Gakpo and and um, and Mo and I mean you saw the last game uh, Gakpo and and uh, Darwin effectively stepping on each other's toes because they didn't know what to do. They've never played with each other, right? So I, that is part of the unfortunate thing is that the injuries, obviously injuries happen, but for Liverpool, injuries happen with, with the players that you really were, <laughs> you needed to lead that attack, right? And then the second thing is just, it wasn't necessarily injuries, but the fact that um, in the midfield, uh, the players that, that you, you were counting on, so uh, obviously Fab, Thiago, Hendo, you were counting on them to play decent uh, m- minutes. They just, they just hit a wall. And so then how do you deal with that? I mean, you, you know that you, you, everyone says you need to bring in the midfielder, you need to bring in the midfielder, and, and that's fine. But even if you had brought in the midfielder, you would still, still have been counting on Thiago, Fabinho, uh, even Hendo to play significant minutes and be competent, and they just haven't. And then uh, exactly in defense, you have uh, Ibu and, and uh, Virgil, who would have been your two starting center backs, effectively, mm-hmm. they've missed time with injuries. And so you've had to chop and change there. And 
it's it's just it's it's so difficult it's it's a bit like you know uh, having a, a leaks in a dam and you just you don't know which hole to plug in first yeah and 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 yeah. no no wonder it's been just a very helter skelter stop and start type of a season yeah it, it there's been no opportunity to get consistency um and then when you combine that lack of consistency with uh you know like three or four players just hitting their age limit and no longer being able to perform at the same level, you just, we you end up with the mess. Um, and so this is where like the last couple of days I've been, I've been thinking about it and sort of lamenting uh, the lack of that sort of clever buy that Liverpool had done a number of over the years. So you could start with like Regnar Klavan, right? So he's like a low cost guy that can come in as sort of a, squad player and fill a hole and do just fine when he's called upon. Uh, you saw this, you know, over the years with like Jordan Shakiri, Takumi Minamino, and more recently with Kafka um, Simicus. But the last two seasons, like that type of low cost buy of a player in their early mid twenties that can be a squad player just hasn't happened. And so part of what we might be seeing is, the decision not to acquire that type of player um, causing issues in terms of, you know, having enough depth and coverage. Um, So Paul, any other thoughts on what we might be seeing about things on the field right now? Yeah, like <clears throat> all that, all that's it's grand. You kind of your last point there about that. You know, you're kind of smart buys. I'm guessing there's an element of thought that we still had James Milner, um, who who could give you some minutes within a midfield scenario. There was there was obviously Curtis Jones, who's coming through slightly older than the youth buy. So then you're kind of going, well, you know, Jones should be able to fill in some of those minutes that you'd be looking for. And just unfortunately, just the kind of the injury scenario stuff that's happens just scuppered all that. You know, you bring in a player in Arthur who's, <clears throat> you know, last day, loan deal, um, who you think, well, okay, in that kind of Tiago mould, at least we'd have someone who's who's able to kind of cover that. We haven't bought someone, but we've brought, you know, you've brought in a player who's, who's you know, in international football or Barcelona play for Juventus. Okay, a wee bit injury prone, but <clears throat> should essentially, if he's just rotation option, be able to to kind of help carry those minutes. And he gets nineteen minutes of football, and then he's injured. And you're kind of going, oh, dear goodness, what what's 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 the scenario here? How do we, you know, we've just we've just hit a season, and I know some people go luck is just luck doesn't exist. But if you're ever looking for like just a case study of how sometimes bad luck does happen, <laughs> this this season for Liverpool's kind of been one of those case studies. We're just like. There's nothing major, but there's enough minor things happening that just nothing's really clicked. And it's just kind of unfortunate that. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, 
and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes, and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, it's maybe unlucky. It's maybe just we've created our own bad luck by some of the by some of the steps that we've taken. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's you know it's probably a, a criticism that's that is labelled and possibly rightly so. We haven't been smart enough where previously we have been smart, um, or maybe we've tried to be too smart with some of our purchases. Maybe we've tried to be too smart with Carvalho's purchase, and we've tried to be too smart with. Um, Harvey Elliott's kind of transition into the team and how we're going to use him. So we've seen over the last couple of games, he you know he played as wide left forward to give us that kind of you know defensive nice at the top of the pitch. But then we've kind of lost out on the attacking side of things. Do you know what I mean? So we've maybe tried to be too smart by trying to plug plug players who are not not quite fitting our system as yet into places that they just don't know naturally. Um. Whereas previously, you know, you brought Jeannie Wijnaldum, who who played in that you know more attacking midfield role, but but made that left side of midfield eight his his position for you know and was absolutely brilliant at it, controller a whole lot better. But I don't know, maybe we've just tried to be too smart and it's it slapped us in the face. Yeah, like the, like you're saying, like Arthur was the attempt at the clever buy right at the end of the window. And yeah. then it just it just didn't work. Uh or at least it hasn't so far. And you know, it just shows the importance that, you know, you have to get the transfers right. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're potentially putting yourself in some danger. Um, well, full, full but, circle yeah. on that to the FSG, you know, back to the first point we made. Because of the way we work in a, in a sustainable model, we have to have a higher success rate in our transfer deals than maybe the likes of Chelsea and the likes of City because they make a mistake. Well, they can fire someone away off. Send them out on loan to another club and bring in a forty million pound, fifty million, sixty million pound midfielder just to kind of plug a gap. We can't do that, and that's that's probably where you know we have to be we have to be really smart with our transfers, and we probably just didn't we just haven't we just haven't hit that this year. Yeah, and it it was like near perfect up until mm-hmm. this year, and then you know didn't quite get it right, and now it's what we're seeing on the field, um, but. There are still some good things going on. Uh, yep. So over the last month, Stefan Bacedic uh, has played a much bigger role in the team, and Harvey Elliott has continued to show his quality. So, Lubo, what are your thoughts on the youngsters and their role in the Liverpool team? So it's been, it's been great to see Stefan um, be given the opportunities. I, I think last year, or last summer, um, I was curious. Um, I know he was invited to to training with uh, Luke Chambers and Bobby Clark and uh, Pep Linders. He gave them a shout out and said, "These are these are keep an eye on these guys." Basically, I was hoping. I was actually very um, uh, intrigued by his transition to a to a number six in the academy. 
last season and I thought that long term he could be someone to to come in as a squad player. I definitely did not expect it to happen uh, this year, right? And 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 what the reason it's happened is because exactly what we talked about Fabinho is even though Fabinho is not injured um that we know of, but for a number of reasons he's just he hit the wall. And so Stefan has come up and you could see um, I mean definitely very exciting. I uh, a player only 18 I've seen comparisons to Busquets, a young Busquets, which I think is very high praise, but I could see it because I, he definitely, I think, has the potential to be a, a very good two-way player at, as a DM. I think Fabinho, even at his best, was more of a destroyer, protector, but he didn't necessarily have the the passing range. I mean, he's had some nice passes here and there, but not the type of a metronomic passer that ideally you'd want as a six. Uh, that's why they've always, you know, you've always had, uh, you know, someone like a Henderson or some others that were doing the passing or Thiago. And I think Stefan can develop into a, a six who is a very good uh, defensively, but also has a pass on him. I think we just need to be also realistic with him is that, you know, he's had a few starts. I could see him also just getting uh, pulled, pulled away from the limelight for a bit. Hopefully if, if Fabinho can come in, and and just be rotated a bit more. You don't want to overwork him. You don't also don't want to get in a situation where um, he's had a, a few bad games and then that that really saps his confidence. So as someone who's come in, I think he's he's been a, a, a positive story. I think you've probably gotten even more than you hoped for and expected out of him. Yeah, I expect him to play a bit more, but I think you also have to be reasonable and realistic with him. And and Harvey, I mean, I think the the challenge with Harvey right now is that. You know he's just he's 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 been played as a midfielder, and I think that in in the right structure he could be a, a midfielder, but right now we just don't have the right structure, and so he's just being exposed as 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 a midfielder, especially defensively, especially in the transition. And I think that what Klopp has tried to do recently because of injuries is to play him more uh, uh, wide as a winger, left winger, right winger, and I think that actually has. Uh, has been a positive development. He's he's had a couple of goals, uh, and and so I could see more of that happening um, the rest of the season. But you know, long term, where his future lies, long term, uh, who knows? But I do think that uh, he's going to be someone who will remain a Liverpool player, uh, 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 you know, barring injuries and all that, um, for for quite some time, and hopefully it continues to develop. I could still see him eventually becoming a very good midfielder, more of a, maybe a kind of a David Silva or Bernardo Silva type midfielder with a, uh, uh, operating with, um, with just behind the attack and, and stringing nice progressive passes and things like that, which is his strength. But uh, it's, it's, it's understandable that this season has been a bit of an up and down for him, some good games, some bad games. But uh, long term, I think that the, the, the future is very bright for him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, I think you're right that Stefan looks like he has all of the tools necessary to be a, a defensive midfielder at this level. It's just he's got to do some physical development, get a little bigger, a little stronger, and then he'll be you know more ready to do the the work week in, week out. And with Harvey, he's got all the tools, all the skills. It's just about you know, Klopp deciding how to best use him, and then how does that fit in to whatever future system is. Uh, so, Paul, your thoughts? Yeah, um, you're, you're exactly right um, in what you're saying there. I think if we remember if we remember back to when Trent came into the team, 
um, it was kind of that idea that Stefan just reminds me of that. You know, a lighter, a, a lighter player um, coming into a more physical kind of scenario than what they're used to. <clears throat> But we look at Trent's progression and seeing how, how he's kicked on. So you, there's no reason why um, Stefan Bacetics can't do the exact same. Um, it's interesting. He, play, he was a, he was a centre back initially, wasn't he? That was kind of what he was he was signed at from youth football. But the transition forward um, looks to really have 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 suited him um, and seems to have really kicked on in that scenario. So <clears throat> he's obviously got the defensive qualities. But they've they've identified that, um, as you said, Lobo, the passing range and the ability to, to to do to do more than just the defensive work is what's what's setting him apart a bit. You, you kind of look at this season and probably would have thought, you know, if guys like, especially Stefan Sellers, you would have thought, you know, he's going to get minutes here there, but he's not he's not going to be a key integral part of what we do. And you kind of look at that and go, wow, he's he's been thrown in the deep end, so. Um, and his performances have merited him staying in the team because he actually, you know, he's played so well when he's been called upon, and then, well, the drop off with with who you know who else plays those that kind of role between Fabinho and Henderson and whoever else you could try and get to play that position. You're kind of going, well, you know, he's he's playing as good, if not better, than those guys. So, you know, you can't, you don't necessarily want to kick his confidence either, but just pull him straight back out again. But I think we have to, we have to hope that Fabinho could kind of refine himself and refine some form so that that, that we don't overwork. Besides, like the other guy, I can look at is Fabio Carvalho, Carvalho, and kind of go like, what's what's <laughs> guy so talented? But how again? How can we fit him in? This season has just been a really terrible season for these guys who you would have looked at and went right, okay. We're going to be able to get you minutes here and minutes there and and work on how you fit in our team and in our processes and in our structure and how we'll be able to transition to you as the future of the club. And unfortunately, they're having to be the now of the club. Um, and it, you just get the feeling that it's too soon. Um, and you kind of hope that it doesn't destroy them is not the right kind of phrase but it just doesn't knock them back in their development or I think the the framing might be like yeah derailing their development a little bit right so you have like they're getting thrown in when they're not quite ready so maybe they're because they're you know 19 20 years old and so they maybe needed another year or two before they could actually do the role that they're being called upon to do right now and maybe yes. that uh, has a detrimental effect on their long-term outlook as a player for Liverpool. Totally. But you that's, also that's it. But you also I think it's it's a little bit of an opportunity and that's the really difficult yeah. thing when you're evaluating a, a new transfer to bring in you want to give them also opportunities even if they're if you don't give them you know start every game you want to give them enough opportunities just to see what you have and 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 so if you're thinking about bringing in another DM because you're really worried about Fabinho, then you, 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 it behooves you maybe to just wait another six months until the summer just to see what Stefan can do, right? And, and say, do, do, we want to, do we want to then give him more responsibilities next year? And then you invest somewhere else, right? And so that is the, 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 the challenge, not just with Stefan, but with Harvey, with Fabio, with Curtis Jones. We have these young players that are just on the periphery that are ready to step in and play more meaningful minutes, but for various reasons, injuries and, and, and the team's performances, 
you haven't seen enough, you're just seeing a little bit. And that is also the very difficult task of squad building is <laughs> you almost like you want to give these players just enough time to, to, to evaluate them and just see where you are. But then you're also missing on potential opportunities to, to bring in a, a player, a more experienced player, like a Shakiri type player who could come in and, and give you exactly what you, Matt, you're talking about. And so that is, that is, I, I think the most difficult aspect of quad building when you're, caught be, uh, between promoting from within but then wanting to bring from the outside and when is the right time and and how do you at what time and and how much do you invest in where and so you could see also that influencing some of the inactivity potentially that we saw in the january window yeah but you also want to do that in a controlled environment and i think this season has been completely uncontrolled for how we've brought them through if you know what I mean, because you you know you want to be able to do that that element of you know bringing a youth player through with a really established team that's nicely set up. So when Trent came in, yeah, there was more of a team coherency. Whereas this this season has just been oh my goodness, you know they're just getting thrown in left, right, and centre because there's so much upheaval and so many injuries and so many things that are uncontrolled. It's been like a a, a, a season of chaos because you've had so many changes up front. You've had midfielders who are dropping off and you've had um, the back line that's just constantly changing. So that scenario of bringing these youth players through, you're right. You want It is the balancing line of, or the balancing act of, of you know bringing through youth players versus what transfers you need to make. But this season hasn't necessarily been the best season to try and do that in. Flip side of that is sometimes you find that's the making of a player. You know, and maybe that's what's really pushed Stefan Besetic on because he's been thrown in at the deep end and he's been able to go, actually, I'm grabbing this opportunity by, you know, by the horns and I'm going with it. Um, whereas maybe Fabio Cavallo hasn't quite been able to do that. And so that's the difference between those two. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think this is a good point for us to start looking ahead to the next couple of games so uh liverpool have the merseyside derby tomorrow and then in the premier league the the upcoming games will be against newcastle crystal palace and wolves again <laughs> uh, and then liverpool also return to the champions league in the round of 16 on february 21st against real madrid so um with the guys returning from injury do you get the sense that the cavalry are coming lubo I don't know about the cavalry coming, but definitely it's great to have more more players back. And and, and I think it's the, the derby is going to be very interesting because even though I think um, Diogo is back and Virgil is back and 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 Bobby is back, I'm not sure that they're back just in time for for mm-hmm. the derby. Right? Maybe uh, they're being primed right now for Newcastle and then and then uh, Real Madrid. And then if you look at the schedule at that point of time. It's basically two games a week for basically the rest of the season. I think January and until now, there's been a bit of a period of just playing one game a week. And Klopp's been trying and he's been using this shorter midfield with Thiago, uh, Keita and, and Barsetic. And it's, it's solved some problems, especially in open play. It has created a lot of other issues, especially <laughs> on set pieces. And so <laughs> I, I think that is... That is um, what what will be also um, re- really I think important in the next two games, the Derby and then Newcastle is honestly having more physical players back on the pitch, 
just bigger, stronger players. I wouldn't be. I mean, this will probably be a bit of a gamble, and who knows how it works. But I can definitely see Fabinho coming back in. I can definitely see Henderson coming back in. If nothing else, even Milner coming back in. If nothing else, just for that physicality, for that height, to try to to try to um, defend on set pieces and corners and things like that. So I think it's just. <laughs> It's very difficult to predict what will happen. It's, I like to think that somehow we can win, which is weird to say. Uh, I hope we can beat a, rele- a team in the relegation zone at, at, uh, at Anfield on Monday. But I, I honestly feel that if, if, um, if the onus is going to be just scrape up, any, uh, scrape up and scrap up any way you can the next couple of games and hopefully you get a little bit of a rhythm going to the Real Madrid game, but it, it's it's going to be. I can also sense Klopp choosing to just go back to the the veterans. I mean, I know he Kade is a veteran, and now Thiago is injured, but but going away from you know some of the younger players and and back to the veterans, and as they say in in in, in poker, you know, dancing with them that brung you. Um, so I could see that happening, and and hopefully these veteran players can deliver. Hopefully, this this period of just being benched and or being more squad players and 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 being rested, hopefully, pays off. And especially when Virgil's back and hopefully Ibu's back and Diogo and etc. Hopefully, there's he's able to bring some of these players back and establish some sort of a rhythm because it is it is going to be relentless until the end of the month, and the end of, end of the season in the Premier League and hopefully deeper in the Champions League. So. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think that the good thing is that if they're able to uh, put together a run of some sort, there's enough games in the Premier League to be able to make up ground. As you've, you've probably yeah. seen, there, there isn't a team outside of uh, you know, Arsenal and Man City, and even Arsenal is struggling lately. There isn't a team that's really pulling trees. And especially yeah. when it comes to the top four containers, you know, Newcastle's been drawing games, Spurs lost yesterday. There isn't... Uh, there, there's enough, I think, out there uh, to enough aptitude out there, if you will, where if Liverpool could put together four or five wins in a row, they could really make up points and put themselves back in the top four race. So the opportunity is there. Players coming back is nice. But what will happen? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, the the race to get to the top four is not over by any means. Um, and just having... Like the guys that came back at the end of last week into full training, even if they don't start in the game tomorrow, at least you have them on the bench or potentially have them on the bench. And so now you have way better players to turn to if things are not going right after an hour. So like I'd feel like very comfortable about Bobby or Jota coming off the bench to try to get a goal than some of the other options we've had in recent weeks. And so just... Even that makes me feel more comfortable about, you know, various in-game management decisions that are available for Jurgen Klopp. Um, Paul, your thoughts? Yeah, I think also what it saves you having to do is where we've seen with RVL, play two and three positions in one game. You know, yeah. because you've had to switch someone in the midfield, so you've moved him from somewhere to play him somewhere else, so you can get someone else off the bench to make a replacement, and you're you're, you're switching players in multiple positions in a game. It shows the diversity of talent that they have that they can play across multiple positions. But ultimately, what you want to be able to do is have a player play in a position and give him the instructions for that match so that he knows what he's doing for that game. And he's not having to worry about, oh, right, if I get moved to there, I'm going to need to play that way. If I get moved to there, I'm going to need to do this. 
Um, so I think that even more than <clears throat> is, is just another kind of idea around that having better players on the bench or sometimes it's not even a case of better players you just have more suited players for a position <laughs> on the bench you know so if you have got you know you know for example Jota Salah uh, I was about to say Manny there but he's got Jota Salah um, uh, Darwin Gakpo and Bobby all available for the front five well then you're not having to pull Harvey out of midfield to put him in one of the front rules just things like that I think should hopefully be a, you know a bit better for us when we do have options that uh, you know if, if Gakpo's struggling um, playing nine, you know false 9-9 nine, nine, whatever it is that he's playing you, you can bring Bobby on or you can bring Jota on if Dar- Darwin's having problems on the left you can you know you can bring Jota in. So like we it's just good being able to do that rather than having to move players across and around. In terms of like we always struggle in January and February. It's a weird thing. Or it feels like we always struggle in January and February because we go through this spell of, of uh, a period of time where we maybe only have one match in a week, depending on how far we've got in the FA Cup and the League Cup and everything else. Um so we always seem to be a team that works well on momentum and rhythm and playing two games a week, three games a week, whatever way it works. We seem to, I don't know why, we seem to work really well in doing that. And so we haven't had that really since, you know, before the World Cup, so to speak. So maybe this is the opportunity now where there's so many games still to play between now and the end of the season that what you said, Lubo, about being able to go on a run, four or five games, and put ourselves right back in contention for fourth place. It, it's it's all still to play for. I was thinking about this earlier. You know, ultimately at this point in the season, we don't normally have. I don't think we normally have this many games still left to play. So we still have a lot of of football to be played. And like I've said it from the start of the season, and I've taken a bit of ribbon for it because a month ago Arsenal were winning the league at the counter. I do not think Arsenal are all that in a bag of crisps. I don't think they are literally. You know, going to going to walk the league as easy as people have said. I I still think that that City are the team that that you have to beat, but by the same token, they are beatable. So when you look at the teams above us, like I think Spurs are sitting, are Spurs sitting fifth They're at fifth. the minute. Yeah, we, they're fifth with three games, uh, and Liverpool have three games yes. in hand. In hand, uh, as of ten points, they're ten points ahead of us. We win those three games in hand. Spurs then become a point. You know, there's a point difference between us. But a lot of people are going, oh, Spurs are in fifth and they're that far ahead and it's hard to catch them, da 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 And just look at it and go, there's so much football left to be played yet that, that to making those kind of wild assumptions that were done and dusted and right off, I just, I don't know. We're, we're, we're the Positivity Podcast, so we're always going to be positive. We're always going to approach this and go, do you know what? You know, there's still a chance we could win the league. <laughs> we can't, but we're always going to approach it with that mentality because we're always looking for the best outcome. But I, I definitely think that with these players coming back, it's not the cavalry or ca- cavalry. Cap, I don't even know how to say that. It's not the cavalry that's kind of you know coming all guns blazing. But we definitely do have a few boys coming in with a spud gun that's going to be able to help us kind of push forward. So yeah, I think I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I think that you are right. Like at this point in the in the year, uh, we're normally like a few games more. Like I think at twenty two mm-hmm. games is typically around uh, like early January, and so we're yeah. 
there's not been quite as many games, so it seems like it's later in the season than it is because like Liverpool still have 18 games left in the season. Yeah, that there's a yeah. lot of lot of points on the board, even if results have been going bad. Um, mm-hmm. So like in what was it the the, the 2020 2021 season at this point in time, like around January, February, Liverpool lost six games in a row at home. So it's, yeah. it's still not that bad. And like things can get a lot better and turn around quickly. Um, the difference between that season and this season is there's fewer points in the bank uh, from yes. the early part of the season. So they do have a little bit more ground to make up and need to start doing it as soon as possible. Yeah, um, actually, I was looking exactly at that uh, to, to, uh, to benchmark ahead of the podcast so in the 21-22 season after the loss after Liverpool lost to Fulham at home which was the sixth loss in a row um, that actually was about March 10th and, and yes. Liverpool had 10 games left to play mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, at that time actually I was looking at the 538 model and it had Liverpool with about 20 percent to uh, to make up to um, to top four and obviously Liverpool went on that uh, crazy run of eight wins and, and two draws and 26 points and finished in third place. And I was looking today, and it's, it's February, you know, beginning of February, and there's still 18 games to play. And ironically, the 538 model gives Liverpool about 20% right now to make top four. Um, and so, I, I mean, it, obviously, you can say, does lightning strike twice? A lot of things need to happen. Liverpool need to get a lot of luck. And also Liverpool need to start winning games. They need to go on a, on a similar type of a, a eight wins and two draws type of a run to put yeah. themselves into a top four contention. But there's still a lot of football to be played. Um, and the fact that we're out of the domestic cups, actually, I do think it's a positive because yeah. you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about the scheduled game. You, you basically know, to me, is just focus on the league and then the Champions League is just... It's kind of like you're playing with a house money. You're playing against the defending uh, champion of, of Real Madrid. Obviously, you want to do your best. You want to knock them out. But if it happens like exactly ironically in that 21-22 season, Liverpool got knocked out by Real Madrid mm-hmm. in the Champions League and then just went on a crazy run in the league. So, you know, maybe something similar happens. I, or maybe I'm just uh, clutching at straws and I'm looking too close <laughs> into the similarities. But way too too much football still left to play. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a good point for us to to bring things to a close. Uh, Paul, your final thoughts or any plugs? Final thoughts is just um, it's just that idea. There's still so much football left to be played. It's too early yet to be ruling us out of out of out of uh, Champions League contention in terms of top four places. Let's just hope. Let's just hope, touch wood, cross fingers, say a prayer, whatever it is that you need to do, that we don't get any more major injuries and we can get players coming back and give us far more rotational options so that players don't get injured. That's that's basically what my hope is from here until the end of the season. No more like major injuries. Yeah, absolutely. And Lubo, your final thoughts? My final thoughts is that it's it's time for Liverpool to start winning games, and tomorrow mm-hmm. is is about as good of a time as any uh, for the derby at Anfield. And I've been seeing that uh, the spirit of Shankly has been tweeting, and they're asking for fans to really bring flags and and signs and really create an atmosphere. Hopefully, that can spur the team and and um, leads them to a, a nice nice 
exciting win over over Everton. Doesn't matter where you are in the table, it's still a derby, it's still a big game. And hopefully from there they can just kick on a run of games, a run of wins in the league. And then maybe a, a month from now when we're doing our next podcast, we could just look back and say, oh, they've won five, six games in a row. Not bad. Yeah, I, I, I definitely want to have uh, more fun when watching Liverpool over the next couple of months. And that's sort of what I'm looking forward to. And, you know, uh, everyone out there, just make sure you keep your head up. And until we talk to you again, up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.